So if you would turn to the book of James, we're going to be looking at James 1 today. If you have a pew Bible, I believe it's page 977. Yesterday was a fun day for me. Yesterday, I went to a mission and identity conference put on by Youth Unlimited. It was uh, an all-day affair, and it was really special, actually. There were about 15 teenagers who decided to dedicate their entire Saturday to learning about their identity in Christ, how to have intimacy with Him, and then how to live on mission for Him. Fifteen teenagers dedicated their entire, a beautiful Saturday, mind you, to do that, and that is fantastic. Scott Cooper also took us on a tour of Tent City, and we got to meet a bunch of people, and it was, it was a very significant time for, for, for many of us, and uh, I really enjoyed it. It made me think about last year. Uh, I did the, this is the second time we've done it, last year I did it as well, and during during the day, I got a phone call from Chantel, which is somewhat unusual because she knew that I was occupied for the whole day. So, of course, I call her back and see what's up, and she said something horrible has happened. Linda Millard, uh, some uh, co-worker of mine, her son was in a tragic accident, and he is in critical care right now. He got airlifted to Toronto. And so, we stopped the conference and we all uh, pray for him. And we found out that later that day uh, that he had passed on. And I was youth pastor to two of his sisters. And, and he was a very young man, 18, 19 years old. Uh, just, uh, he was the kind of guy that would just go to Tim Hortons and buy a bunch of bagels and go hand them out downtown. He would just do stuff like that on a, on a regular basis. He was the, the shirt off his back kind of guy. And, and, and someone like him has, has to go. I know that the family never asked the question, but I know that they were asked it. There is this question that comes up over and over and over again. And it's a big question. It's a haunting question for many people. It's a crippling question. So many people, young people especially, walk away from their faith because they just can't seem to reconcile these two opposing things. It's not a, a new concept. This isn't something that we're just beginning to deal with now, but it's been around for a very long time, a very, very, very long time, this, this massive question, this haunting question. Actually, the first completed book of the Bible was written all about this question. Does anyone know what the first completed book was? I think I heard someone say Job. Job was the first completed book of the Bible, and it all revolves around this question. If God is good, and if God is loving, then why does he allow good things to happen to righteous people, to his people, to his chosen people, to those that he loves? They seem like they're two absolutely opposite things, and it's really hard 
for a lot of people to reconcile this. This was extremely prominent in James's day as well. We're in the series of James. And if you notice, a lot of the epistles, like if, if you take a look at the introduction here, a lot of the epistles, or letters rather, will have some sort of a nice greeting. Grace and peace to you from our God and Father, Jesus Christ. And sometimes they go on and they, they go all that. James is basically just, this is who I am. This is who it's for. Hi. And then he goes right into it. He doesn't waste any time. You see, James has a burden. A burden has been placed on his heart, and he has to address it. And he has to address it immediately. He wastes no time. He wastes no ink, no parchment. He gets right into it because he knows that this is a massive subject for the people of his day. I can only assume that people were writing him letters, that people were asking him this question. Remember, he was, he was a very big deal in the early church. A lot of people call him the original pope. Some other people call it Peter, but he was a very big deal. And so people come to him with these problems and he hears this one problem, this one issue again and again. If God is real, if God is good, if God is loving, why do bad things happen to good people? And so this is where we're going to be looking today. James 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Consider it pure joy. I was talking to Linda earlier this week because I wanted to have permission to share this story. And she volunteered information that I found very, very interesting. She was telling me about the season when her son passed away, the, the months immediately preceding. And she was sharing that she had joy. She had joy during that season. That's not to say she didn't cry. She cried. I cried with her. That's not to say that she didn't mourn. She mourned. But there was also joy in that season. When James here is saying, consider it pure joy, he's not saying that there aren't any other reactions allowed. But instead, we are also to turn and to embrace the joy that is available to us. Because it is there for us. We're going to also look at a, a parallel passage. So if, if you're in your Bible, flip forward a few pages to 1 Peter. And we're going to go to 1 Peter 1, verse 6. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have to suffer all kinds of trials. These have come 
so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And then just a few more pages we're going to look at. First uh, Peter 4, verse 12. This is a very, very important verse. Dear friends, do not be surprised. Do not be surprised. Do not be surprised. When the f- uh, at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So don't be surprised when bad things happen as though it were something strange, as though it were something outside of God's will or God's plan. Now, perhaps you've heard this before, but when Peter there is saying fiery ordeal or fiery, fiery trials, he is not speaking figuratively. Emperor Nero in 66 AD literally would have Christian candles where he would take Christians and he would, at night, he would tie them to the stake and burn them just for being Christian. So when, he, when Peter is writing this, he means it very literally. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial that's coming your way as though something strange were happening to you. Bad things are going to happen. Now, this is a when, not if. It's not as if things might, bad things might happen to you. It's when they happen. James says this too. He says, whenever you face trials, and the word face there can also be translated uh, fall into, when you fall into trials, when you fall into hard times, when you fall into difficult times. It's, it's as if sin exists and bad things happen. We understand that we are in a fallen world. And a lot of the time, the question comes up, is God, is God bringing this my way? Is God allowing it? Now, God has allowed sin to enter into the world because we actually turned our back on him back in the Garden of Eden. And so when that happened, brokenness, sin, and death entered the world. And now we live in an existence, coexistence with it. There will come a day when we won't. But here on earth, we will face trials. That is, that is a promise. The central theme that I see in these verses is that James believes that hard times can make us fortified and virtuous if we allow them to. Do you see that in the text? It says, if we can consider it pure joy whenever we face trials of many kinds, our faith will be tested, which produces perseverance, and when the work of perseverance is finished, we will be mature and complete. So James's thesis, basically, is that when hard times come, we are positioned to grow in terms of our morals and the strength of our faith. James was writing 
to a, a people who would face trials and troubles just like us. People in those days would have experienced poverty, sickness, loneliness, bereavement, and disappointment. The same trials that we come across. Going into verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I also would like to look at Romans 5. I think it's up on the screen. It can be up on the screen. Do you have the slide, Doug? Okay, sweet. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Isn't it neat when the Bible aligns with itself? They're saying the ex- these three authors are all saying the exact same thing, though they're saying it in different ways. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. To me, all of these things are about mindset. Hard times are going to come your way. They're going to. It's a promise. It's literally promised in Scripture. What are we going to do about it? How are we going to set our minds? When people, when people work out, when people exercise, they, they put themselves through load. And it's not necessarily enjoyable, but it's going to strengthen them, right? These trials, when they come, they are to test and strengthen our faith. Now, this word test that is used in in James here, it's not just used in James, it's not just used in Romans, which we read, or in 1 Peter, it's also been used in the Old Testament when, when they translate it. And every time when it's used, it's talking about gold or silver and how it purifies and cleanses them. There's this purification and cleansing process that takes place when things are tested like this. And it is always for the benefit. It is always used to benefit and to clarify and to purify. With us, it's not to test or to strengthen to see if we have faith. It's to test or to strengthen the faith that we already have. I'm going to illustrate this. And when I saw Graham walk in, I was very sad because Graham is much stronger than I am. And I'm going to look silly for Graham. Everyone else will think it's fine. 
But, um, but this, is, this is the load back here. It weighs, it weighs about as much as my wife. Um, again, like I said, for Graham, what I'm about to do isn't, isn't a big deal. But for me, it is. And <laughs> but this is actually really important because feelings are subjective. And for one person, what someone's going through isn't a big deal. But for that person, it might be. Okay. <laughs> so so I, have a, I have a load on my back now. And, and it's kind of heavy, at least. And what happens when you're loaded up is eventually it wears on you, right? And it gets... Now, now that I have this burden on me, I have two choices. I can either let it defeat me. I'm trying not to sound out of breath. I can either let it defeat me and let it stay down, or I can, I can stand up under it. And I, that's a choice, though. This is a mindset. Now, I can, a lot of people don't like working out, but what I hear James saying and Peter saying is that we are to consider it pure joy. We are to consider it pure joy whenever we're under trials. Now, who are the people that work out? The people that enjoy working out, the people that see the benefit in it. Now, when life comes and trials come, you go down and you can either choose to be defeated or to stand up in faith. Now, I might need Daniel for this one because I'm getting out of... <laughs> but what, what happens if I've been down here for a while and I've, I've, I understand I have been defeated. This thing is too heavy for me to lift or let's say it was heavier and it, I, I just I couldn't lift it. What do you do then? Do you guys know what Jesus did in that situation when something was just so heavy for him? In the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he do? He got people to pray for him. Oh, like the, I'm sorry, people online, the flowers are in the way. <laughs> you can see me when I'm standing, though. Um, Jesus got people to pray for him. Sometimes you've been down here for so long, and it's really hard to just, you want to go behind me? Okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah okay. Um, <laughs> and when that happens, and you're too burdened, three, two, one, <laughs> okay, Daniel's just got it. <laughs> Look at that, isn't that? That's why Jesus had disciples. <laughs> that went exactly to plan. <laughs> I want to see you do squats to that later, Graham. <laughs> um, John 16, 33, I've already mentioned it twice, but Jesus makes two promises. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. You will have trouble. Hard times will come your way. But when you respond with joy, when you decide to embrace them full on, you are able to grow in character and in strength of faith. Psalm 23 doesn't say that you won't walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What does it say? It says that he'll be with you. 
there he is with you. In verse 4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Mature, it's growing in your character. It's growing, it refining what is actually important to you. And then that word complete, James uses it later on in the letter when he says that if anyone can control their tongue, that person is perfect. That's actually the same word that you are made perfect. So what does all this look like? What does it look like when you're able to understand and live into all of this? Well, I can tell you what it looks like for me. What it looks like for me is that I'm going to choose to believe Jesus, James, Paul, and Peter that hard times, that troubles are going to come my way. I am going to try my best to stand firm with the full armor of God to endure the attacks, to endure what's coming my way. And if a burden comes my way and knocks me down and it's too heavy for me to stand back up, I'm going to do what Jesus did and I'm going to ask my friends. I'm going to ask my friends to help me out. I'm going to choose to try to align myself with what James is saying here to consider it pure joy when trials come because it is going to be for the strengthening of my faith and the building of my character. The same thing is available to you. The same challenge is set your way to to set your mind in that way that this is going to be used for your good in the long run. Sometimes it's really hard to see in the moment. But God promises that he will be with you. He promises that he has overcome the world. And so, Father God, we thank you that you are good. And God, in these very difficult times, we pray that we can see it, that we can see your goodness. God, we thank you that you promise to be with us that you promise to be with us when we feel like we're in the valley of the shadow of death. Allow that to encourage us and to strengthen us and allow us to go through joy. Experience your joy. God, we pray all this in your name. Amen.